What is up, people of the internet? It is Haley back at it again with another Buy It, Try It, Deny It podcast for the month of August. Now, we're going to be talking about some throwbacks today that came a while ago. Um, some stuff very popular and a new topic that we are going to in a little bit. Uh, but first, let me, you know, squad that I they should be pretty familiar to you by now. But if you don't know them, I have Mike. What's up? And I have Brennan. Yo. So we are going to kick it off by talking about our review version. And last month was a special um, E3 episode to talk about a pretty popular game that um, a lot of people have been chatting about. There's been a lot of drama, uh, controversy, lots of death threats because of the way this game has ended. Um, but we're going to talk about The Last of Us Part. So it's an action-adventure game developed and developed by Naughty Dog, published by Sony, of course. Uh, coming out, well, it came out on the PS4, at least on June 19th. So you should have played it, and if you haven't, on probably anybody that has. And it's sitting on Open Critic with 90%. Uh, this game, I don't even know what to say. I honestly don't even know what to say. Like, it's so good. Um, I'm not playing it, I'm watching it being played. My boyfriend's playing it right now, so I've been watching it. Um, I think probably like my favorite scenes are all the scenarium. Like, that's honest. All, all my favorite. Um, this game's- No, it's like, wow. I- I don't- I- I- I personally haven't played it. Mike, you picked it up, right? Yeah, I played it. Yeah. Um, so... I mean, I guess we all kind of know at this point, it's kind of like a- almost like a dead horse that- Pretty much every critic seemingly loved it, but a lot of the fans seem to uh, not entirely love every narrative decision that was made along the way. And so, like, I personally haven't played it at all, but you bet your head that I read all the spoilers and all the leaks <laughs> because, like, I didn't play the first game, right? So, like, this, I have no investment or attachment. and. Seeing how the second one went, I was like, well, <laughs> I don't want to jump onto a burning ship, you know? <laughs> so I was like, I'm just going to spoil this whole thing. And I don't know, it just, it just kind of, I get it to a point, like, why people are upset. But I also think that, like, I don't know, without touching on too many spoilers, like, I feel like there is a reason for what happened. But my ultimate problem with it is that it didn't really take a new approach to any kind of like narrative storytelling right like i mean it tried to tell kind of two sides of one story which was definitely interesting and unique but i think the overall message that it sends the whole you know anti-revenge plot has been done before and done so well that any kind of mimicry of that is just going to fall short you know like people are ultimately gonna just go like oh the revenge story spec ops the line is is my go-to for that or whatever so i think maybe that was the problem was it just the theme the base thesis of the game itself was just kind of overdone but again i can't i don't know i can't say that for sure because i didn't play it man um yeah i played it i actually like the story you know i like i have no clue i mean i understand why people are upset but they're upset about shit that just made sense to me you know um, you know, there's stuff that happens early on. I know that's why people, the biggest reason people are mad 
is because of stuff that her happens really early on in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking crazy shit. Um, yeah, there's stuff that happens early on in the game that really pissed people off, and I understand why. Because when it happened, I'm myself, I was like, what the hell, man? Come on. Seriously. Yeah. But as far as the rest of the story goes, like, I thought it was a decent story. Yeah, the whole anti-revenge, this is what happens when you obsess over something like revenge. I understand that's, you know, been done before, and, you know, there's nothing new for this game. But I thought that that topic was still, uh, what do you call it? That they still worked on it so well that it didn't matter that it's been something that's been done before. Because they brought a new approach to it that, you know, it just had just made it enjoyable nonetheless that's fair that's completely fair like and i don't dislike the narrative that it's trying to tell like i don't want to i don't want to get that right out of the way you know obviously i think that fixating on revenge and thinking that violence will just simply end all of your problems that's obviously not true like i enjoy the narrative that it's trying to say i again i i don't know you know, and like to what you said, the the event that happens in the beginning that caused quite a stir within people. Again, I, I've seen I've seen that kind of event happen before. You know, and it's like, yeah, I mean, it's sad, but you you move on. Like stories and sequels are naturally going to do. I mean, like we we I think we even predicted. You know, I think it was one of our predictions about the game that like openly came true and we were all like oh this is totally gonna happen you know so like yeah i mean while how it was framed and shot was shocking but like i still don't see that i still don't see that warranting a review bomb i mean i don't really i don't know if i think anything warrants a review bomb except for maybe like extremely predatory microtransactions but come on man oh no player character someone you know dies Get over it, man. It happens in every video game ever. Like, I'm still upset about Aerith. I'm sorry, but <laughs> <laughs> but we all had to move on, you know? I mean, we all had to move on. I'm just going to say it here. From this point on, there is going to be spoilers because, well, if you don't know by now, then that's on you. But if you know, then you know. But <laughs> here we go. Joel dies. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, big yeah. spoiler. We called it. Like, we 100% called it. And, and that was the thing. when Before this game came out and I played it, I remember talking to my brother and we both agreed, Joel is going to die at some <laughs> point in this game. But it had to happen. That's the thing. Like, exactly. Where, because... Coming off the last one, where do you go with your narrative? Like, you can't just have everything be hunky-dory like they they could have had something happen town and blah 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 blah, and he gets killed that way but that's not that's not big that's not grand that's not wow shocker like we should barely give a shit about this town because you're in it for like five minutes and then that's it you never see it again so i feel like them cutting to the chase and killing him off right in the beginning well it it hurts you and you feel the same way as Ellie feels. You feel, well, fuck, they just made me play as dumb bitch, and now I'm going to play as Ellie, and I'm going to hunt her, and then I'm going to go back to playing as dumb bitch, and now I'm mad, because I don't want to play as her. She killed 
Joel. Why should I give a shit about her? And <laughs> I watched the Rad Brad play it, and that was his whole thing. He got like frustrated when he had to play as what's her face her abby there we go so i stopped cussing whole podcast but he got frustrated because he's like well it seems like naughty dog is forcing me to care about her because now it's telling me the sob story as if i should give a shit that you know joel killed her father well she just killed joel and i care more about him than her father (laughs) and and I I don't believe that Naughty Dog was forcing players to feel for Abby, but I feel like they wanted to show that there's definitely two sides. And yes, while this has been done before, Naughty Dog has an excellent way of telling. And I feel like narratively, this is, it's, it's really good. It's great. Um, is it revolutionary? No, I don't think they set out to really you know, come up with this whole brand new concept, uh, Death Stranding, you know, revolutionary thing. But I feel like they wanted to give their game more than just, well, you're going to follow Ellie. What about everyone else that her actions are, you know, everyone else that's suffering because of her actions, everyone else that has to deal with uh, all the heartache and the turmoil that, you know, Joel and her have put them so uh, looking at these oh sorry i was just gonna say there's not gonna be a part three it's 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 done uh uh, neil Druckmann has stated that there is a possibility that they'll do three and i can kind of see it the way that last of us part two ends um yeah the way it ends i Go ahead, spoilers. We don't really care. We put out the spoiler warning. <laughs> you know, because at the end, Ellie's left alone, and the game just ends with her going off to be on her own. So I can imagine, you know, a third game about her post all the events of um, that happened in Last of Us Part Two. I guess my only question is, well, of course we want to see what happens to Ellie. What story is there to tell that hasn't been told? Yeah. After that. Like, how can you make it? Like, okay, so she goes off and lives on her own. Okay, whatever. That's on her. And I think that's the conundrum that Neil Druckmann is having, is he kind of did finish it. You know, this ending, it's it's perfectly fine with me, the way it ends. It finishes the story that needed to be told. Mm. So, I mean, to be honest, I'm really not for a sequel, because, like I said, the Last of Us Part 2 ends everything that we should care about and everything that needs to be told. Again, not to, like, hamper on just the review score itself. What I think is kind of funny, especially after talking about all of this, is it's kind of reflective of the behavior of the people that almost played it. You know what I mean? Like, for a second, just think about it. I mean, you, you literally are supposed to feel like like Ellie, you know, Joel Joel dies, you're upset. You see Abby and you're like, this bitch, I'm I'm gonna rip your throat out. I don't know what people say anymore to threaten them. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but then you as the player, you know, react exactly the same way. And people are reacting to the 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 developers and the creators and the voice actors of this game in the same way as if they actually took a a metaphysical gun to Joel's head and shot him. 
you know, like because they were review bombing it and they're they're so set on this revenge path where the game is trying to tell you, nah, man, there's two sides of every story. You're supposed to look at the other side. You're not supposed to just say, screw Abby. It's supposed to be teaching us to be better people, and a lot of people aren't getting that, and I think that's what ultimately bothers me. It's just like, people are just looking at this and going, revenge, bad, mirror. But not understanding, like, that's what they're doing. What they're, do- what they're-, <laughs> what they're doing to the developers is what... The the game does to you. Mm. <laughs> is it not beautiful? Is it not beautiful in how people react to such to, to to things? And I feel like that's happened a lot, a lot more recently, uh, especially with the way uh, video games and even TV shows um, they go on forever and forever and forever, and they're so much more in depth nowadays that. Some people, for some reason, can't separate the the character and the fiction from the actual human being. I mean, I, I believe Laura Bailey had death threats and yeah. threats against her family, and it's it's happened in other shows as well. Uh, Thirteen Reasons Why. I'm pretty actor who played uh, Bryce Taylor. I think I'm pretty sure he had threats as well. Um, and and it's happened in other media and. I feel like that goes to show that there's some hours. I don't think uh, games are too good or movies are too good at storytelling. I think people get way too that they just can't separate fiction reality, and so that's why they act out you. And that's that's really sad because The Last of Us doesn't deserve all the review bombs it's getting. And another thing is, is you know, these storytellers. Um, they're going to tell their stories the, the way they want it to be told. They're not going to tell story the way that the audience wants it. Because where is the fun in that? Like, if it was up to The Last of Us audience, they'd probably have Joel and Ellie strolling through a field of flowers, picking flowers for 40 hours. Like, let's be real. <laughs> exactly. Like, these people... Especially The Last of Us. The Last of Us is a very gritty and, um, I don't want to say lifelike game, but it definitely shows the darker sides of humanity, especially in times of turmoil and, uh, the lack of resources and going through something so, uh, drastic. And I lost my thought. <laughs> it just shows the world's fucked up. I mean, at the end of the day, that's all it, you know, that's kind of yeah. the point. Is you know it's a fucked up world. Now I'm just gonna say, people, it's a game. Don't send death threats to actresses who had nothing to do with Joel dying. The only yeah. thing they did is went in there and read those lines. Exactly, like they did nothing to Joel themselves. So yeah, death threats not cool. Very well said. It's it's a good game. Game of the year. Yeah. Oh, um, no. Run it, runner up. The next game we're gonna talk about. <laughs> I want to say The Last of Us 2's runner-up for Game of the Year. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's... I don't want to say it's what I expected from Naughty Dog, but it's on par with what I expected. They didn't go above and beyond for my expectations, but they also didn't, um, like, fail me. Like, I don't feel like, oh, they did a really bad job. Like, I feel like it's just kind of on par with what I expected from them. So, I mean, if they do make a third, I feel like it's going to feel like a cash grab, and mm. that's basically it. Um, so I-, I hope they end it where it is. Um, 
if maybe in the future they want to make spin-off, I'd like to spin-off or maybe um, comics or books that tell other stories within this because the world is interesting. Um, but I don't, I don't want to. They need to leave Ellie. Let her go be alone like a sulking teenager. Yeah, well, she is. Um, I know they are doing a TV show, so just gotta wait and see what happens in the TV show. Do we know who, like, which, uh, which company that's coming? I think it's HBO. That'll be good. Uh, I, I'd have to double check. That's, HBO does sink a lot of money into their TV shows. I mean, you can definitely see that with The Last of Us. Um, I just got finished. Like, The Sopranos is super old, but Matt and I watched The Sopranos. Like, you could tell, like, it slowly got so much better over time with technology coming. HBO is pretty, pretty good. Also, you'll be able to see a lot more violence and gore um, because they're not, like, a old television. So, I feel like that'll definitely help have a better TV show than, say, something on, like... Yeah. Eh, we'll see. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. That basically sums up the mood about The Last <laughs> of Us. It's, eh. It's good. But it's it. Okay, moving on. Now, I know we were just like, eh, meh, heh, about The Last of Us, which I'm surprised it didn't take her to talk about. But this one recently just came out, and we're all like, holy fucking shit. I'm just like, mm, 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 man candy in front of my eyes. We are talking about Ghost of, is it pronounced Tsushima? Yeah, Tsushima. Thank Sushima, Tushima, Shushima, Shashima. Sushi. I don't like sushi. Anyway, it's a action adventure stealth game, which where be the stealth in this game? Anyway, we'll get to that in a second. Developed by Sucker Punch Productions, um, published by Sony. Again, another PlayStation exclusive because the only thing Xbox has going for itself, apparently. Um, it came out on July 17th. And it has an open critic score of 86, which is actually surprising. I'm very surprised. Yeah, um, uh, now, wait, before we start, are we all playing this game? I'm pretty sure we all are. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, um, I feel score-wise that this was the opposite of Last of Us Part Two, where the critics loved it and the fans hated it. The critics liked Ghost of Tsushima, but I feel this one, the fans... Are really what's driving this game. Yeah, totally agreed. It's like no one that I've spoken to has ever really had any kind of like big qualms with it. Yeah. Like, it's not a perfect game. It does have minor, tiny, tiny nitpicking things that, you know, you, you one could nitpick. But on the whole, it's still an overwhelmingly fantastic game. It's a quality representation of renaissance japan assassin's creed like game the one that we've always really kind of secretly wanted deep down inside you know what i mean like this is kind of like a deeply personal fantasy fulfilled of mine that i'm just so happy exists um it's to me at least it's like the best parts of assassin's creed that are just kind of ripped out of that except the tailing missions it still has tailing missions why in 2020 do we still have tailing missions is beyond me but that's besides the point it's all the good stuff with that of Assassin's Creed and they put in Japan, dude. What could you not like about it? It's so good. And it's like Breath of the Wild exploration. You know, you go here, you get a little upgrade. You go here, you follow a little fox, you get another little upgrade. You go here, you kill a camp, you do some shit, and you get a little sword kit. Woo! It's fun. It's a good time. 
Everyone's happy. Woo! In the combat. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to play as a fucking samurai? Right. Who could do all this crazy shit with the sword? Like, it's... Dude, it's, like, it's just... my. So my experience so far has just been to clear the map, pretty much. Like, Act 1, I cleared the map. Going through Act 2 right now, clearing the map. I'm like, maybe... I'm like, almost done, I think, with Act 2 in terms of missions and whatnot, but I've just been going to everything and 100%ing this entire game map. No other open-world game has really driven me to do that for whatever reason, other than, funnily enough, um, Infamous Second Son, which is also Sucker Punch. Maybe I just have a thing with Sucker Punch, who knows? But um, there's something about Sucker Punch's like, open-world design that makes you want to hit everything. Like, it's not just a checklist of things to do for EXP and whatever. It's a checklist of permanent upgrades for you to do that actually make you feel like you have some sense of progression. That sometimes they give you the tools, but you have to master them yourself. Like, properly using that one um, Heavenly Strike move, you know, waiting for them to be staggered and then using it. Like, that only comes with practice, really. It's just such a good game. Oh my god. <laughs> so, while Brennan's in cries a little, um, honestly, I I bought this without going really like in depth and like watching any like I didn't know what it was. I'm gonna be honest. I was like, oh, this looks really cool. Looking at all the trailers and shit, I was like, hopefully it's not like super hard, like deaths or death soul. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Souls game, whatever that's called. <laughs> Completely <laughs> blanking here. Um, but I was hoping it wasn't as hard as that because games like that I just get frustrated over because I die and die and die. And I'm playing this and I'm like, holy shit, I'm getting Assassin's Creed vibes. Wow, this is great. I actually like this. I don't have to stealth if I don't want to. I can just run in there and fuck shit up. Oh my god, this is great. I love this game. Like, if this comes out on PS5, I will buy it and replay it. Well, well you, probably, you probably wouldn't. Hopefully, it would just be backwards compatible, so you wouldn't even well, have to do yeah, that. That's I it. think it is going to be just backwards compatible. They're all dope. Dope. I'd still buy it. I'd still buy it. I'd honestly. Fair. Fair. But it's, it's, it's great. Like, I just... I don't know. I play this, and I'm like, wow... It's so pretty. I trot around on my horse a little bit, and I'm like, wow, I can pick flowers from my horse. Oh, that's a camp. I don't want to go there just yet, so I'll just avoid it. Like, I just, I I honestly just fucking trot around just doing nothing if I want to. Just look at all the pretty sights. Like, it's, I'm not, I'm almost done with the first act, I'm pretty sure. And I want to say I probably have about a little less than 50% of the map uncovered. But it's a game I want to take my time with. Like, I don't yeah. want to speed through it. I have no rush to complete it or get to the end. I'm enjoying it on um, just, like, a slow pace because I don't want this game to end. And that's one of the reasons why I didn't review it. I I thought about it, but I was like, damn. Like, I just I just want to be playing and take my time. Yeah, this is a game that deserves a slow approach. And just taking your time with it, especially because, like Brennan said, there's so much stuff to find in this game. It's ridiculous that I'm just riding through the countryside towards the next mission, and I run into crazy random shit, and I'm just like, all right, I gotta do this now, you know? Half of my gameplay so far is just me doing cool random shit that just pops up in the middle of the map out of nowhere. Exactly. I, I probably have at least two hours of Falling Foxes. 
Yeah. Just because it's fun. Just because just because too. It's just like, you know, and if and if I found more, I wouldn't care. I'd keep doing because not only is it fun and they're adorable and you can pet them, it's actually a benefit. It's like if you use the one charm and you keep upgrading the charm, it you know, it it, it does some shit, dude. It's cool. It all works. And one of the things that like I really like that I noticed was I was going through the skill tree and I was kinda like, eh. I don't really like any of these, but I'll upgrade them. But then I started to get into combat more and more and more. And I realized how using one stance against one enemy and another stance against another enemy, it actually makes a difference. Oh, yeah. Big time. Mm-hmm. Huge. Like, in, in my head, I was like, okay, like this is just a skill tree to have a skill tree. But no, you can visually see that changing your stance in the middle of combat makes things so much easier, so much smoother, depending on who you're fighting at that time. And I was just like, holy shit. So here I am trying to make sure I remember to change stances in the middle of combat because, damn, I fat finger everything. But, oh my god, though I'm terrible at the bow. Like, don't ask me to use a bow, I'm bad. Just straight bad. <laughs> But that sword, though, I go in hard. Assassin's Creed has taught me a lot, and I use it in this game. Though, I don't think it's fair to really compare it to Assassin's, but it has, I guess, Assassin-like elements. The one thing... Oh, fuck, I had it and then I lost it. Uh, Oh, yeah, okay, so one of the things that I was reading in some reviews was it was people kind of complaining that the enemies just kind of stood around and you kind of had to wait for them to strike. My first reaction to that was, what the hell are you talking about? This game can make you be so aggressive depending on your stance. Like, if you're sitting around and no one's hitting you, just start staggering people and you kill them really fast. What do you mean there's a lot of standing around? Sure, like, when you're with the the, the Ronins, the Straw Hat Ronins who kind of, like, take you one at a time. Yeah, it's kind of a pain in the ass to, like, wait for them. But, I mean, even at the same time, you could just smash the heavy attack button especially if you've upgraded your stance, and you become the aggressor. You don't have to wait for anybody. And that was the thing that I enjoyed the most. This game totally, totally incentivizes aggressive aggressive play and just making it feel so satisfying. Like, in the beginning, there was a camp that I just curled myself at and could not do, right? It was like one of the first camps, and you don't even have assassination yet. Just kept trying it. Got assassination, and I went back and cleared the whole camp, and I was like, all right, cool, whatever. But later on, I remember going to a camp and just walking straight in, just me shouting at everyone and fighting like 30 guys at once. And I cannot tell you the high that I felt walking away from that fight, being like, I'm the best. Like, oh, it's just so satisfying when it's all said and done. And I gotta say, I never thought a game could look this good on a console. Uh, this okay. game is one of the most beautiful games I've ever seen on a console. That's, it is insane. That's where our paths are going to slip. Because I do admit that this game does have some really great scenes in it. But then there are others that are pretty shoddy. You're just fucking what do you mean? Like, for example, I'm looking at the Games Radar um, review, and there's a scene of him in uh, one of the 
pools or ponds or whatever, the hot springs, mm. and it looks like shit. You don't like that naked Japanese ass? I mean, I do, but the quality is poor. And I know that you can't make everything look pretty 100%, especially a game like this is how large it is. Some areas are going to be... Um, you're going to drop frames here and there, but don't tease me. Like, <laughs> you, you got 4K looking quality over here, and then you're giving me 360 over here. Like, there's a big difference between those two. But I mean, if and when the PS5 comes out and it becomes backwards compatible, I'm going to assume that they're going to put some sort of update out that's going to make it look fancy and super nice uh, 100%. I kind of wish they would have held off on it and just put this on the PS5 rather than having it on the PS4. Because I'm not saying the PS4 can't handle it. Or even if they would have stuck it on PC. I think this would have been fucking absolutely phenomenal. Ten times more than what it already is. But I do have to say that there are some shoddy points within them. But overall it is gorgeous. Yes. I, th I think Mike and I are coming hot off the tails of... Uh... Final Fantasy VII Remake, where the main characters look amazing, but then literally every other character looks like just a just dog shit. So I think Mike and I are finally able to be like, oh my god, NPCs and textures that don't look like complete shit. Riding through a flower field and the flowers are just gorgeous as the sunsets. Like it was. And the crows, dude, the, the, the fucking the, the birds in the, in the sky. Oh, how do they do it? How do they do it? I don't know. These sounds are definitely not people. And can we, for a split second, because that's about it, the same amount of time it takes in game, can we talk about the load times real quick? Lightning fast. Holy shit. They actually slowed down the load times um, a little bit. Because the load times were so fast, you could never read the little suggestions <laughs> that they have up while it's loading. Yeah. So oh, that's, they actually slowed down the load times just so people could actually read the little hints that you know are being given to you. Damn. I definitely feel like I do notice that depending on what I'm doing, load times in some areas are a little faster than in other areas. So oh, I feel yeah. like I can definitely do that but it's not like i sit around waiting all day like oh my god i'm so fucking bored i maybe flip through like one or two of those things of the little comments and then it loads in and i'm like oh okay <laughs> but at least okay so what difficulty is everybody playing on uh my first run through normal and then i'll probably do a, um, a lethal run through i did i was like playing through i did act one with normal and i'm doing act two with hard okay so, I'm playing on E, and <laughs> I know, shut up. but here's my reasoning. I go into games like this more for the story than I do yeah. wanting a challenge. Because, like, my favorite part, before we go back to talking about the combat, my favorite part are the stories, the, the Tsushima tales that you do, and you go speak with one of the... Um, musicians and then they tell you a story and it's like painted on your screen as it, they go through the story and I've been taking videos of that and sending it to like my friends because they get a kick out of it because it's so gorgeous and that's just absolutely wow just wow that's so pretty I love that anyway okay so I'm playing on easy and I'm probably gonna jump up to normal because I can definitely understand why people are saying enemies just stand around 
I haven't died. Actually, yes, I've died once. And that was because of an accident. Because archers. I don't pay. <laughs> but even on easy, it's still a little bit of a challenge. And it's not... It's not like they're completely just standing there like, okay, just kill me. They, you know, they, they're they a little bit slower to react, but, you know, they still parry and they still defend and they're still quick to catch on that I'm sitting right there behind them about to assassinate them. So, I don't, I don't know. And I know some people have said the side quests are boring. I mean, what do you, like, it has side quests. There's only so many different side quests you can make, like, get over it. And to be honest, I think the side quests are not that bad, and, like, I mean, yeah, everything's gonna be repetitive if you boil it down to go here, kill X enemies. But to me, every side quest at least felt like it had some kind of story or insight, mm-hmm. or, like, the area or the culture around the air. Like, it made the world believable, even if even if, you know, it was just some guy and some crossroads saying, oh, there's a spirit in these forests, and you find out it's just a couple of bandits. So what, it's a couple of bandits. I mean, to me, it was more interesting that you learned that the town has that ghost story in the first place. Like, dude, don't... Competitive <laughs> side quests, I don't understand that. Or, or like Haley said, those side quests when it's the musician telling you the story and everything. Yeah. And the whole side quest has like its own little contained mini story that usually top off in you know these badass duels at the end. Like it's it's really nicely done. Yet it does get a little repetitive. You know, I'm riding down the road and oh hey, another bandit, you know, mm-hmm. troop. But some of the side stories are just so well done that I don't mind sitting there doing them, especially the mythic ones. Yeah. And you get rewarded. And it's a significant reward that it makes it worth doing. Like, if you do the tales, you get different gear, um, or you get different abilities or weapons, whatever it may be. So it actually um, incentivizes you ghost stories. And they definitely make them worthwhile. Like Mike said, it tells its own mini-story. It's not just, well, hey, you know, this guy is shitting on us, go kill him and we'll give you some fancy gear. It's telling this myth and legend that makes it worth it. Yep. I feel like they even put a spin on kind of certain tropes, too. Like, I don't know, I feel like even especially the characters themselves, highly stereo... Um, stereo- yeah, they highly stereotype characters like uh, Yuna or Kenji, the kind of sneakier ones. But if you do their side missions as well, they give you insight as to why they do what they do. And I feel like in, even in Kenji's case, the last kind of mission, the last exchange between Kenji and Jin is like really worthwhile, I feel. And is not just like Kenji's not just like that shady businessman who happens to get in trouble all the time. I mean, like he's much more than that, despite it being what he looks like on the outside. Again, that's what this whole game is about. That's what this whole game is about. Again. The first, one of the first lines is the Kuten Khan saying, I've learned your language. I've learned your people. All of the artifacts that you get in game are about Mongolian culture and stuff. So to me, this whole game is about understanding the other side of someone's story. A la The Last of Us 2, but told in a much different lens. But I still think it's a worthwhile narrative worth telling. Isn't it so nice? The game's telling us not to kill people all the time and to get together. Wow. 
At least that's what I think the game is trying to tell you. I'm finished. Yeah, who knows? You <laughs> can guess... chop his own balls off at the end. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess another thing I want to point out as well is that I really like Jin's character. He is really mm. cool. He wants to help everybody. And he doesn't want to go against everything he's learned. And there was that one point that I was assassinating someone. And it cut to like a flashback. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, one, I was like, holy shit, what the fuck just happened? Did I fuck something up? Did I just fail? And then I saw that and I was like, damn. Like, he <laughs> internally is struggling with going against everything that he's learned and everything that his uncle has taught him and i'm not out of act one yet so i don't know but i can see this developing into something that he continues to struggle with and something that i hope that if his uncle does survive that his uncle understands and doesn't see him as a bad person it's because war changes you can't attack everyone head on just because that's what you were taught sometimes you have to get grimy sometimes you have to get dirty and sometimes you have to get to that level of the people that you're trying to overcome so um i'm curious to see how that plays out further um with Jin kind of struggling uh, keep his ways yet at the same exact time um free his his country and his the last thing that i want to mention really quick is like i feel like the game itself especially when when Haley mentioned like the little cutscene like i genuinely felt bad for jen i genuinely was like geez if this if this is causing this guy enough strife maybe i shouldn't kill people like i shouldn't assassinate people anymore i had that thought right and it's like even as i was upgrading my ghost weapons and stuff i kind of felt bad for using them Especially when you upgrade a lot of them, they can be kind of overpowered. Um, you know, just killing one person outright. And so I found myself almost being like, no, I'm going to master the combat. I'm going to master the sword play. And I'm going to go the honorable route so I don't feel like a piece of shit. But it's, I don't know, it, uh, even even the choices you make in-game, I feel like, are kind of affecting you. Cause it's like, I could just throw bomb kill all these people. But it's just so much more satisfying to have my sword go through all of their limbs. The slow-mo cutscenes when you just slice somebody <laughs> across the chest. Oh. It's beautiful. And then flicking the blood off of your blade and putting it back in. <clears throat> Nothing beats that feeling. It should just become a samurai. Oh my god. Well, Brendan has found me. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think this this is I feel like this is definitely game of the year. Um at least it is for me. I know we still have a couple months left, but... <laughs> cyberpunk. We just gotta see what happens with Cyberpunk. Yeah, yeah. Just delay it to 2021! So I don't have to even think about that yet. I want this okay. one to win Game of the Year. I thought, it, I, thought, I thought it was still coming out this year. I didn't know it was delayed to 2021. It's not. It's no. no I said it delay was, it to 2021. Oh. <laughs> I think Haley's being facetious. Is to you know delay the thing that she doesn't want to happen into another year so it works out more favorably for her. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just gonna say this right now though. Cyberpunk is gonna have to be fucking amazing. Yeah. Be Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. I just uh... yeah, Ghost of Tsushima for me is game of the year right now. 
and Cyberpunk is going to have to be absolutely stunning if it's going to have any chance of topping Ghost of Tsushima. That is completely fair. For me, it definitely depends on all the storytelling. I'm yeah. I I'm very curious about Cyberpunk just because everyone's making it out uh, to be this huge thing. I honestly know nothing about Cyberpunk. Um, I know CD Projekt. Um, so I'm curious. It's something I'll definitely play. But in terms of game of the year, I, I think this just takes the cake regardless of how good Cyberpunk is. At least for me, like, Cyberpunk is gonna have to be this whole nother fucking suck me in. God damn it, the combat better be fluid and I better not die one if you want to beat Ghost. Because this game is just fucking... <sighs> and he talks to his horse. He's like, I can't do this without you. And I'm just like, <laughs> me too. Oh my god, every time you end a quest and the two of you are sleeping together, I take a picture. Or, like, the horse will nudge his shoulder, and I'm just yeah, like... Yeah, like, push him away and stuff, yeah. Yeah, but he's just like, stop it, and I'm just like... <laughs> so you wanna marry me? Like, let's get married. I know you're, like, a figure on my team, but you love the horse and I... Yeah, uh, you just heard it. Haley is into horses. I, I was talking about Jin, but, uh... That's okay, I'll marry him <laughs> and the horse. But, yeah, okay. Oh my. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely a great game. Um, So, everyone, it's highly recommended here. A lot of people at Game Luster are playing it, Um, I believe. Um, we do have somebody reviewing it, so not just wait for it. And we can definitely include a review when it comes out Um, down below. Below, it. check that out. So now we're going to fall over, even though it's not fall. We're going to uh, go into our preview portion for the August. Not too much is really coming out in August. It's kind of like that dull period. Um, the great summer blockbuster hits and then rolling in the end of the year hits with the latest console out very soon. Um, so first of all, we're going to hit it off with talking about Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Remastered Edition. Holy sh**, that is a <laughs> lot to say. It's an ARPG. It's published and developed by Square Enix. It's coming out on Switch, PS4, Android, and iOS. So you can play this on your phone or tablet. And that'll be coming out at the end of the month on August 27th. I played this game as a kid. Raise your hands. Yeah, I'm raising my hand right here. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. I'm raising my hand. having hand raised. What is this game? All right. Well, Haley, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles involves you living in a town, and you have this giant tree, and you have to get this chalice thing, right? And you have to bring the chalice to different dungeons with your caravan that you would normally take with up three other people because the game is kind of advertised as four-player Final Fantasy action RPG mashup. <gasps> So you go to different dungeons, and the weird kind of element of Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, which is the one thing, this is the one thing that I'm kind of skeptical about, but this is at least what happened in the original, I believe this is in the remastered edition, but there's basically like this poison in the in the air, right, and shit, and miasma, right? it's miasma, thank you. Yeah. And you, your little chalice basically provides like a, a bubble around for you and your companions. Um, if you leave that bubble, I believe you take damage or you get staggered or 
something. You get some status ailment effect. So you're basically limited to this kind of slow-moving circle where if you play with other people, you kind of, like, designate who gets to take the chalice, who gets to, you know, um, who gets to throw it when you throw it down when everyone's fighting and whatnot. Um, but it's primarily, I guess, a multiplayer game, although a lot of the information that's coming out about this game is saying that there is no local co-op, which is rather unfortunate. Would have really, really enjoyed local co-op here, but take what we can get, I suppose, online co-op only. Um, But yeah, it's basically an ARPG where you and four other people just go through various Final Fantasy-related dungeons, and you fight a lot of familiar characters and enemies um, while building up your party. You basically act uh, like... The whole narrative is that you're, you know, this traveling band of adventurers on a caravan to save the world, and if you play with other people, it's supposed to, you know, amplify that effect. I don't think I was ever fortunate enough to have friends at a young age, or any kind of connecting cables, or any whatever bullshit that you needed to do the co-op. So I'm really, really looking forward to actually having someone play this fucking game with after God knows how many years. You heard it here, sad boy Brennan. It's been almost like 20 years or some shit like that. Right, like, it's been a while. I remember the day my dad drove me to GameStop after school in, like, first or second grade to pick that up. Dude, I was so excited I'm gonna have my dad driving to GameStop in the same way. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding, totally kidding. I can drive now. Oh my no, you gotta, you gotta, yeah, relive, but... you gotta relive the memory. I'm just gonna drive to my elementary school, park outside, and be like, you know, home alone. That's over. not creepy. Um, <laughs> one thing I do want to mention, though, that they have on the um, official site for Crystal Chronicle is that there is going to be crossplay. Um, I definitely feel like we're going to see this in other um, as it becomes a lot more popular. But I think that is, it also mentions that um, your save data is going to be able to um, transfer between platform. Um, they basically say that twice for some reason. Um, so, I mean, I think that's really cool and that you can also play with other people who are on other devices. That'll be your- There's also some like free to play version, like a light version. I did some reading on that before, like you have access to the first. 13 dungeons or something and if you pair up with someone that has the game you have even more content that you're available to so it's like you don't even it's one of those things where it kind of has like a an extreme demo so it's like even if you just wanted to try it with your friends you would still be able to play the game without necessarily having the full thing yeah it's like that always like game share stuff this new generation man I hope we get cross-play and, and save data to different consoles and all bunch of fun stuff. Video games are great, right? Wow. I don't really got much to say because I don't know much about this game. <laughs> but anything with cross-play gets my vote just because I feel like that's something that uh, we should have been doing a long, long time ago. And, like, yeah. I understand why companies wouldn't want to do it, but at the same exact time, like... Fucking uh, nowadays, ain't nobody got money for five different consoles. That's exaggerated. But still, like, 
like I built my computer, which is probably a little less than two thousand dollars last year, and I bought a Switch, and I have a PS4, I'm about to have a PS5, and mind you, I bought those within different years, but still, like, that stuff's expensive. You have to yeah. save up. Not everyone can up multiple consoles. I feel like cross-play needs to... I feel like it definitely will, especially as our console uh, starts slowing down a lot more. Yeah, because I had the same platforms you have, but it was years of building. It wasn't like I bought all this shit, you know, within a few months. It took me years to get the PS4, my Switch, and my PC. And I never got the chance to get an Xbox, so... Luckily, no, you probably don't even need to. Yeah, you're all... Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Well, only, only saying that because, like, they're putting pretty much all of their games on the PC, so if you have a PC, you have an Xbox. Pretty yeah. Much. You basically uh, just need a controller if you want to... Con- yeah, Xbox Game Pass. Hi, dog. Uh, keep that in. And, and, and not trying to, because we've talked about this before, and I don't want to get to, but consoles are becoming less and less of a thing, kind of sort Um, lots of people use them for media sets because they're, con- um, so having crossplay allows everyone to play together regardless of what you have, and I think yeah. that's just, it, it, that plays into that convenience factor, um. I mean, you can play, I'm pretty sure with the Game Pass, you can play on PC and somebody else can play on X if a mm-hmm. game yeah, has crossplay. So Yeah, it's it's a very limited selection of games that have that, but it, 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 is, it is a thing. It does happen. I feel like we're definitely, and we might as well, because, like I said, money. Uh, very hard to come by these. Yeah, I ain't got the funds to get a PS5 and a Series X. Yeah. Yeah, but, but again, if you have a PC, you don't need a Series, Series X. I know, right? <laughs> so I don't understand that. I don't understand that uh, sales platform. I mean, it's like I I do and I don't at the same time because it's like personally, I don't really. I don't know. I don't really mind it. It's like I already have this platform. Well, it already an Xbox is I pretty mean, much already a PC anyway, right? I like, understand the whole. I could buy a $500 console or I could build a $1,500 PC. Um, but yeah, but putting all your games on PC anyway, I just kind of don't. Oh, I kind of understand it because when you buy a console, that's it. You buy that one console and you don't buy another console for a couple years. But yeah. when you buy games online, like you buy multiple games online... And if the games that you want aren't backwards compatible, say, like, there's old Xbox 360 games on there that you already have that you want to play again, you're going to buy those games again. So it's I feel like it's a double dipping way to make money Mm. because, like I said, like you buy a console, you buy that once, but maybe you just bought this game twice because you had it previously. And that means that anyone can buy it now regardless if they have an xbox or you don't have to have that xbox so they're not alienating their content just to xbox now they can go out and uh, appease to those college students that are balling on a hp five-year-old laptop budget that can barely run this game but guess what it still goddamn runs and they still just got that twenty dollars from that kid so i think 
I kind of think that's why they're doing it to just double dip into uh, PC gaming. I don't think it's a horrible business practice, especially since like it, it's kind of you already have people that have PCs. It's like, and if it's already again like the same kind of maybe not the same kind of software, but similar enough software, why not just be able to let people who have a PC be able to play and become like a, a member quote of the Xbox family without oh, yeah. officially being a, without having to officially own it, you know. And um, I, I feel I like computers and laptops are a lot easier to come by and are a lot cheaper oh, than yeah. consoles. So it's a lot cheaper to own just a laptop and internet access and Game Pass than it is to go out and buy a new console every couple of years and also portability mm. the the convenience of being able to play anywhere that you have an internet connection versus like i wanted to play ghost of tsushima at my boyfriend's house i had to disconnect my playstation put the massive goddamn thing because i have a first gen ps4 in my book bag like that bitch is hefty thick girl but if i had xbox game pass all I have to do is take my laptop, go over to his house, play the game on my laptop. Boom. Done. Easy, convenient, and a hell of a lot lighter. Mm. I think Sony right now. Uh, yeah, PlayStation Now, you can play some PlayStation games on PC. Yeah. Pretty soon. Anyway, um, <laughs> so let's wrap up Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles because we hella got off topic. Um, we don't Eh, from what it seems, we don't really have much to say about it. It's a game. It seems like you guys are going to play it, but I'll let you speak. Yeah, I'm, I'm most likely going to buy it. Oh, I'm definitely buying it, 100%. Okay, you can catch their reviews later next month. Or somebody will review it, probably. Um, best game ever. What? It cures cancer. Don't oh. say that! <laughs> what? Why not? That's my review. It's my honest... <laughs> Unpaid review. <laughs> anyway, please ignore that. We don't mean to offend anybody by saying that. Um, and... He says that if he closes his briefcase full of money and jumps in his Ferrari. <laughs> but where's my half? Anyway, um, so we're going to talk about something a little different. And it's not revolutionary. It's not, oh my god, wow. But we haven't talked about games like this before. And we are going to talk about sports games. And we're talking about sports games because uh, the new PGA game comes out. There's Madden that's coming out. Um, there's Project Cars 3, if you really want to toss that in there. For But they've been around for a while. Um, it's a genre that I would say has a very um, neat, is it pronounced niche? following group of people um yeah you don't really hear a lot about they're not revolutionary they're not brand new maybe there's new people in in each one maybe there's a couple new features maybe they made it look a little better um but year after year they're just sports games um we're gonna take a light dive into um the personal communities that we've been involved in um, if we played them, go a little bit into uh, a tournament and discuss that. Um, but we're mainly going to focus on Madden NFL 21. Of course, it's football. Um, I guess American football, I guess I should say. Um, 
It is developed by EA. Somebody pronounce that for me. It's just uh, Tiburon. Tiburon. Yeah. There Almost. we go. It sounds like a goddamn Volkswagen car. And it's published Probably by is. EA Sports. Very close, I'm pretty. Um, it's coming out on PC, PS4, and Xbox One. That releases the day after Crystal Chronicles on the 20th. And just so people know, it's also coming to the PS5 and Series X. Of course. Yeah. Again, double dipping. God damn it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I haven't played any uh, sports games. Um, when I was in college, um, a lot of the guys I um, was friends with um, played sports games. They held sports tournaments um, and things like that. Uh, I don't. I don't really know a lot because oh, well, I don't. I don't want to play football. I mean, that's good as excuses you can get. <laughs> not, I mean, not everybody wants to play football. Yeah, I personally have no attachment to American football. Period. So, like, games to me, like, Madden are not even, like, I don't even, like, watch my friends play Madden because I just have no idea what's going on. To me, it's always just this big kind of rock, paper, scissors game where defense picks a thing, offense picks a thing, they go at it and see what happens, something happens, and then they keep going, they play rock, paper, scissors the whole time, especially because the game plans are kind of, I don't want to say hidden, especially if you're playing with someone else, like a local co-op. Um, different runs and strategies seem to be like math by, I don't know, different button combos, you know, holding right trigger and then hitting X, etc. Um, so that you're, the, the other person that you're playing against doesn't see your strategy. Um, I always thought that was really an interesting concept, but yeah, I don't know. It just felt like, again, to me, it's, I don't play, I don't like watching football in and of itself. So a game to me like that would never really be appealing. But like what I've read on Madden and NFL, what I've what I don't know, uh, we were reading some like ESPN story talking about the closed beta impressions, and uh, none of this made any sense to me. Just I read the whole thing, none of it made any sense to me. They were talking a lot about how the defensive line plays a lot slower, and the only way I can equate that is FIFA. Um which is a much different aspect entirely. So again, I can't even say what it would like be like for American football defense to be slower. But all of these people, all of these quote veterans who've played this closed beta and had impressions, they all say that the game feels different from the previous iteration. And I think to me that that's very interesting. Just based on one tiny, seemingly tiny change, you can change essentially the whole feeling of the game. Having a, apparently having your defense line be slower and act a little, uh, feel it, I guess, maybe be more strategic. Who knows? Maybe that's good. I don't know. I can't tell because I don't play football, man. I don't even know what pigskin is. <laughs> that's, that's a football. Um, see, I'm the complete opposite. I watch football every year. It's one of my favorite times of the year. Because it gets cold. I love the cold. You got some football. I got some of that Thanksgiving and Christmas. And for years, um, I played Madden. Um, I dropped off the radar about three or four years ago for reasons unknown. Even I don't remember why I stopped playing Madden. And yeah, just looking at it, I was like, they made a shit ton of changes since the last time I played. That changes the game dramatically. Like... I wonder, I don't know, do you feel like if you pl- picked up 
21 today, you'd be like, well, this is a completely different game than the last one that I played. I think so. <sighs> That's so interesting to me. That's yeah. so cool. Only because, like, again, I look at FIFA and I just go, this is largely the same thing. I mean, yeah, they make minor differences. And, like, it's more of differences that kind of affect the game's feeling itself. Like, I don't know. I This was always a personal thing with, like, again, I kind of going off topic with FIFA. But uh, when I played the... I play, I had I had a I had FIFA 18 I think for the Switch and then I think I had FIFA 19 for the PlayStation 4 two completely different games two completely different games the Switch felt like an arcade you know Switch FIFA felt like arcade kind of everything was fast and fluid and felt kind of good but then PS4 FIFA felt like realistic you know soccer and I was like this is horrible I hate the way this feels so even within different versions of the game, it can be so different. So to even change the actual game itself and to make it that much more, that's mind-blowing to me. I don't know. It's just, it's weird. It's weird to me that a game about football can change. You know what I mean? Because football every year is the same thing. It's just going, <laughs> you run to the post, guy. You just go and you run. <laughs> How yeah. you play? It's so different, you know? Yeah, um, for this episode of BCD, I, you know, was looking at the trailers, I was looking at the changes, and I was like, wow, since I've played the last Madden I played, which was Madden 17 or 18 or something like that, I was like, they really did um, add things that does change how you play the game. And I remember when I used to get it every year, they would do stuff like that. Every year, they would just make, like you said, one little change that would change how you played the game. Mm-hmm. And I love that because it's like some games come out yearly and they feel the same. Madden came out every year and there was always something new about it that just made it so great. Plus it was football all year round, so it was nice. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that keeps coming back to the change is significant enough that it actually difference in the gameplay. It's not the stale same shit. <laughs> Ubisoft um, <laughs> all year round. So that's that's why you have all these people paying $60 every goddamn year for what yeah. to an outsider like someone like myself looks like the same game. But to the people who actually play it, they know that it's not. They know that those changes are there. They have to adapt um, to, to actually get good and to play it. And looking at EA has its own um, what they call the championship series. It's 16 of the world's best Madden competitors face off for a $220,000 cash prize. So, I, I, comparing to games like Dota or League, that might not seem like a lot because those cash prizes in those games are millions of dollars. But it's still... I think it's still great to see that EA recognizes its own um, competitive scene, unlike some people. Um, Cough, cough, smash, I'm pretty sure. Um, But we won't go there. We won't go there. (laughs) Um, And that they're willing to, you know, sponsor or put out the money for this. Um, So so you have this competitiveness. You have these competitive tournaments. How many people actually sit and watch these tournaments? 
actually compete in these tournaments? I don't actually know. That's a good question. But looking, you'd be surprised. Probably, but a looking, lot of people watch these things. Looking at their um, schedule, uh, it breaks it down. Like they had the Madden Club Championship, seven hundred and three dollars. Seven hundred. No, seven hundred thousand dollars. There we go. Numbers are hard. You uh, forgot a few zeros there. <laughs> say this number for me, Mike. So, wait, did I say it right then? I'm so wait. $703,000. Okay. Okay, there we go. Numbers are hard. Anyway, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Not as big as others, but still, it's there. So. Still, though, I mean, like, again, I, I guess because I, we, I mean, we, we started off by saying it's, it's a niche. It's it's a niche topic, and I would agree with that. It's a ni- it's a large niche, I feel like, but I don't know. It's it, it's fairly popular, and I guess I'm almost surprised that the amount of people that watch sports across the world is probably pretty high. So I imagine people that play sports related video games is also pretty high. Most of my friends that don't really play normal video games, they almost always play some kind of sport game. Um, and so to me, it's almost like, why are these numbers not higher? Why do more people not watch this? But again, I guess it's because it really is some kind of niche-ish, despite it being popular. I don't even know how to talk about sports games in general, because it just seems so large yet contained. Does that make sense? Yeah, it yeah. definitely does. And I can definitely see that. Like, this... This is something that you sort of need to pave your way in and mm. you into because here's the thing this isn't a team game you do this by yourself so if you're going to try to get into you need to honestly understand every small piece of of logic and all the fundamentals of this game that go in it like this isn't a group effort where um, you have one person that does this, and then you have another person that does this, and you know what your role is. You have to know everything about it. And I feel like the people who are at the top are those who have, uh, who have studied the game, who have played the game for years and years, and who just know. Like, for example, the guy who won the Madden 20 Championship Series did it with... Where's it at? He didn't throw a single pass. Every single play that he ran was a run play. Hmm. Like, who thinks to do that? Who thinks to do that? A run play. Listen, I don't watch a lot of football, but I hate run play. I understand why they're there, but I think they're stupid. But he won a tournament just doing that. (laughs) It's kind of wild, actually. I don't know. I'm sitting here thinking about it right now. Yeah, right. It's just like... How it is a little wild. The creativity that... <laughs> like, I, I understand. That's not a lot of creativity. But he won a damn tournament. A six-figure tournament. Just doing run play. Teach me. <laughs> like, this is, this is a science that... Uh, a science that... We won't understand unless we sit down with the people who make the game, who play the game as competitively as these guys do, and actually with them about it. Because obviously there's not something that 
There's something that we're not understanding. And while I definitely feel like these games are popular on a casual level, um, I definitely think their competitive scenes are extremely select. And while they aren't super, super huge, like Dota or League, um, they definitely clearly are still big enough to be raking in some coin that you have um, top tier coverage of it. I mean, fucking Sports Center and shit cover. Really? Who would have thought? So, I, I, I would like to see sports games become more of a thing. Um, but again, it's all down to what you want to play personally. Um, some sports games, like NBA, has come out with a story, like a storyline. Um, and I feel like that's definitely a grab to try to get people to play their game because then it gives it purpose. Then just, well, let's just play basketball. It's you're developing your character, going through the story, seeing develop from a kid playing ball in high school to now he's 26 and playing in the N- not N- NBA? Yeah, NBA. Yeah, NBA. Yeah, yeah um, honestly, from what I've seen, Madden um, 21. If Crystal Chronicles wasn't coming out the day before it, I would have considered getting Madden. Hmm. Money is hard to come by, though, so those funds are sadly going elsewhere. Yeah, I'll probably just wait for the PS5 version. I just, I just have to kind of flat out say, like, no, yeah. I mean, again, I'm not interested in football, period. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but I do, you know, I don't hate sports games. Like, initially, I guess I was kind of skeptical about talking about them because I was kind of afraid of scooping me sports games me. But like, no, I, 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 I don't, I don't want to, don't want to say that. I don't want to judge anyone that. That's all they do is play sports games. That's what you do. That's fine. Like that's, that's completely cool. I went through a FIFA phase. It was amazing. I, you know, no doubt. Um, I just kind of want, if if anything, I just want people to be happy. I just hope both teams had fun at the end of the day. <laughs> Ren's like, I just want everything to be hunky dory. <sighs> just I'm gonna go back, you know, to not playing sports. Um, it's definitely not a game that I will pick up, but I think it's, um, at least when it comes to the competitive scene, it's probably something that I might pay a little bit more attention to. Apparently, it even uses some sort of salary cap system, which I have absolutely no clue about. So, uh, this game is revolutionary to me, but, um, you know, if you play it, you play it, and if you like it, then that's your thing, so, um... I definitely hope that the scene uh, for this game and for other sports games becomes a little bit more pronounced because eh, why not? Especially now when you can't really go out and go to like a football game or a soccer game or a baseball game. So, mm. but yeah, we are going to wrap it up here. Um, so yeah, so meet us uh, back here, normal time, usual time of the month for another episode. Uh, hint, hint, there might be a special episode coming out soon. Okay, we are going to wrap up um, August's podcast here. So, you know, usual time, usual place next month. There might be a special episode dropping in the future. And you know where to find us. So I hope day next time. Bye. Bye.